0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Echelon Cycling Podcast, the podcast with uh, our Yorkshireman, Brett, Anna Dane talking about what's happened in the week gone by and what's happened, well look ahead of what's happening in the next week and I mean this week, a very very busy week and I'm joined as always by Mr. Kruger himself, Ewan Wilson and Patrick Blake of Aldo Cycling and uh, yeah, how many races were going on this week or finishing, Vuelta Espana whatever the better tour is called now. Deutschland Tour, Tour of Iran, Scandinavian Tour, Tour de Lavanie. Yeah. It keeps going.
1: It was just a week of what wasn't happening rather than what was. It was one of those where there's just too much going on and uh but <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, luckily everything's going to calm down now. So think that it'll uh I think it'll be okay now and we can yeah look forward to a bit of welter action but yeah we'll be we'll, we'll recap kind of the stage races and stuff that have gone on in the in the last week as well because there have been some pretty good performances
2: this part of the season is uh, usually so hectic if i I'm, I'm not a big fan of the middle part of august in the cycling calendar but uh, there has been a lot of a uh, lot of big action good to see the Benelux tour back after its year hiatus even if it does have a silly name the renuee tour yeah, so definitely
0: some some headlines to dig into for this week. I mean, we, we might as well start the to España, two stages, and they've both <laughs> been dangerous as hell. Like, the riders protesting, second stage neutralized in the last nine kilometers. That time trial looked lethal. Like, imagine going 60 kilometers an hour with seven other guys in the dark in a very tight-cornered um, circuit. I mean, uh, we'll show a meme that we found on Twitter on this, but <laughs> what a
1: joke. It is sort of a joke, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of just like a, a regular kind of British crit, kind of town centre crit, when it gets to like the elite race at like 7.30, it's a little bit dusky, you know, people are... It's kind of like, who is this person coming across the line? Although you could literally not really make out anyone like when Sudar came across the line, I mean, I didn't watch it live, but I've seen pictures and highlights and like, holy moly, I would not have wanted to have been on like TT bars, like that far from a person's wheel in the dark without access to brakes, like it on a slippery surface. It couldn't actually have got worse, I don't think. It's actually a miracle that there was only one DNF in Lawrence de Plus, to be honest with you. I think that's actually quite surprising. And you know, then again, on stage two, it was you know equally as bad to the point where they took the they took the GC at the top of the first climb. Exactly, it was like on the circuit. I think yeah, on the first climb of the circuit. And then Scott will love the winner as well because it was it was Kron, so he'll he'll be he'll be loving that. But yeah, I, I don't really know. It seems like a bit of a hash by the UCI, like because it's, it's a bit silly. What's going on and there's quite rightfully quite a lot of backlash from riders and teams and you know us as fans as well it's not really a good look for a professional you know race a grand tour to be you know in such a bit of a shambles already in the first couple of stages so hopefully the rain goes away now and people stop crashing and it all just sort of relaxes down into the rest of the otherwise we are in for a really long time
2: yeah a pretty i mean a calamity really over those opening two stages particularly that opening one why did it have to start so late i guess if it wasn't raining it would have been lighter but still they could have factored that in it's august but you know you can still expect rain planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance you know and and then it's like those later teams that went off in the dark, doing this in like that level of light is just dangerous, it's bad. Remco Evenepoel after the line was just annoyed. He said afterwards that the riders aren't circus monkeys. He has a point there. Remco is often outspoken. I think he gets a little bit too much slack for being outspoken, but with this, I uh, I 100% get where he's coming from.
1: I think that I respect Evenepoel more after him speaking out than before. I know like you said you and you are, you know, people people do think Avonapult's a little bit too aggressive sometimes, maybe, and a little bit too boisterous in what he says. But I think he's he's completely fair in saying what he said. And I've I know that some people are saying oh he should, you know, he should just kind of, you know, keep to himself and just let the media kind of team deal with it. But I like to see a rider's personality. I think sometimes in cycling now we get quite boring interviews, dare I say. It's all quite run-of-the-mill, uh, kind of same answers that you see every single day. So I was quite happy to see a bit of emotion and a bit of personality come out. I think that it's more appealing for, for me. I think I, I like the expression.
0: I mean, he wasn't the only one. Like Jonas vinko said, they didn't they didn't even care about their safety. They weren't concerned, the organisers, they were just blind and then Garen Thomas saying we're just pawned so it wasn't like anyone was being yeah I think Remco just stole the headlines because it was straight after and yeah he was very animated as well well rightly so they were probably the team that had the worst conditions of all of them it is it is good that these writers keep on like saying these kind of things but
2: at the same time uh, there was also a similar problem in the Renui tour the other, well today actually um on the final stage where uh, the riders all came together and said that the course was too dangerous and they they neutralized the race so that they could have a discussion midway through the race to decide um how to neutralize the, the final circuit of the race and, you know, it just feels like these, like, almost chaotic decisions keep on happening. And, like, why isn't there more, like, proof-checking or preparation for these eventualities, you know? If the course is borderline dangerous, surely you'd know that before the day. Um, Surely you'd think the sunsets in Barcelona about 8, 8.30 p.m. don't have a time trial at 8.30 p.m., you know? These kind of things keep happening, and it just, I think it really makes cycling look silly and amateurish.
1: Yeah, it is stupid. I think you're right. It's, it is just, it just makes us look a bit foolish. Cause, like you say, it's its more like a token thing, like the, the Renewy Tour, whatever it is, that they sort of stopped to have this. It didn't actually result in anything happening that benefited the rider's safety. It was just that they had a discussion and, just kind of stop the race and it was more for the show rather than for an actual result coming out of it it just seemed a little bit pointless dare I say and I think you're right you, you know you, the, the course is available beforehand like weeks in advance same with the welter. it's like don't just come up and react when it happens like why not bring this to their attention beforehand I, I don't know at, at one hand I am completely on the side of the riders but you can't just start you can't just throw the blame all the time at the organizers when you know it's up to the riders you know the the riders care about their own safety but they seem to only care about it when things absolutely go wrong like then they start throwing their hands in the air whereas actually it would have been better to have tried to do something about it beforehand but I don't know whether what kind of platform they have to do that, other than Adam Hansen. Apparently,
0: yeah, I think you're right. Like the World Championships as well it's kind of like yeah. afterwards. Like, yeah, it's true though.
1: There's been lots of races. I can think of the last few years, like, what was I can't remember which oh, exactly which race it was, but last year they were racing over like inner city cobbles, tram tracks, or something. I think it was the one which I, I remember Horace just going absolutely crazy. It was Tour Croatia, that. yeah, the race, yeah and like Tour of Polonia when Jakobsen crashed, and like you say Scott for World Championships, you know that on wet, when it was wet, chaos, like absolute chaos it's too dangerous and it seems to just be a bit of a theme where there's just like, races. are races more dangerous, or are they just more competitive which is making it more dangerous, like, I don't know but there's certainly a bit more of a trend for things to be more dangerous I don't know
0: did someone check it? Like it should be approved by someone before they design the course. Like it seems so many times we've seen like bollards in stupid places where it could kill someone if someone something happens. Isn't then but then, yeah. but then how, how are they gonna know it's uh
2: if if they design the route or talk like they maybe call up the local mayor or whatever and like they drop the route. It's only really the Tour de France or the GDOT, really, who are going to drive the course beforehand, like, whilst they're formulating the route. I don't think races like the Renoui Tour or... The World Championships? Okay, the World Championships, maybe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, almost definitely. But,
0: like, for these smaller races, they don't really check, but... Google map exists, you can hire an intern. I I don't think there's any excuse for this. Like it's. I mean, well, to Spania, we've, yeah, I don't know. We don't really have too much of the race anyway, because neutralized, then neutralized again, kind of. Well, it wasn't neutralized. DSM took the victory and then had the most horrific day the next day. But yeah, we might as well talk about a different race. Uh, I know you guys want to talk about Deutschland Tour. Rini tour we mentioned a bit. But I want to talk about the Total Avenir because uh, that was quite an interesting result. First ever Mexican winning. He swept the, the jerseys as well, taking all four jerseys. Not signed to any uh, World Tour team out of the time of recording, but I'm sure that's going to change soon. And uh, yeah, what did you guys think of the Total Avenir? And if anyone watched our Total Avenir preview, it was completely wrong,
1: the predictions. we We were unbelievably wrong. I, I'm not sure if I could have got it worse, to be honest with you, but um, I, I liked it because usually, I'm not sure, a few years ago or a couple of years ago, they only did the last couple of stages, but they televised all of them this time around, which I was a big fan of. I really liked that and I liked the course that it was so mountainous Um, I thought that was really good as well. So it was a real indication as to who are going to be the next big GC players in the in the future whereas usually they can sometimes have quite a lot of sprint stages so i think that yeah it, it was a really good course and you know we got some very interesting names thrown up like you say kind of i, I can't remember the last time i was rooting for a, a mexican rider i can't even remember the last row mexican rider um can you think guys think of a Famous Mexican pro cyclist? One I don't of, yeah. One.
2: yeah, Villa Boss was with them in 2020, maybe through 21, maybe through 19. But he was definitely there in the COVID season. Mm. And there was a Mexican winner of the Tour de Trump when that was a big deal.
1: I just remember the, uh, they used the call to la lot, and the way that he rode it, he rode it really smart, he didn't follow surges all the time, he stuck to his own pace, he almost baited Riccatello to go into an attack and then he used, I think it was Piganzoli it might have been the other Italian rider, I'm not sure, used him to bridge the gap back as much as he could, realised he was spent and then bridged across and kind of wiped out an extra competitor in the finale, It was really smart riding and if he brings that to the world tour you know, he's not just some climbing guy who's just, oh I'm just all about what's per kilo, rah, rah, rah. Just going to go up the mountain as fast as I can. Like He's actually got tactical now, which is really good to see as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where he gets landed because I presume like there's no way he doesn't get landed to a world's whole team, right?
0: I mean, we haven't said his name yet. Isaac oh, yeah. Del Toro. So like Isaac the Bull. Well, nice. Del is not the... If you look at pro second stats, his uh, stats of views this week has been 27,000. And he, I mean, we were we were like when we were seeing him winning stages, et cetera, and uh, like winning up Colt la That's an amazing thing. And also so great that they had that there. But yeah, cyclocross background. He's been in a few World Cup events uh, representing Mexico, obviously. But yeah. Again, so are we qualifying this as another cyclocross rider? So he did one season two years ago. I also believe he has a bit of a mountain biking background as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, he seems to be a bit bit of an Um, all-rounder. Yeah, if you don't really know his name that's very fair because he has i mean he's had some good results this year already top 10 in the sibiu cycling tour which is with some world tour riders uh he's also up there 10th overall at the junior peace race was up there on a couple stages at Validostan, third place overall in that race that's a really high class uh, under 23 race and he's currently riding for the ar monex pro cycling team which is a san Marinese based team so, they're based in San Marino, but it's filled with mostly Mexican riders. Interesting combination there. And yeah, as you say, no attachment to the world tour next year. So, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. He does,
0: he gives me sort of Pogacha vibes. He's 19, though. So, like, oh, well, I know there's a lot of 19 year olds doing well, but like, you almost want to say take one more year in the under 23s and then, yeah, go because Yombo development. Well, the thing is, he has that Valadosta result, but apart from that, this
2: Total Avenir win is pretty sort of shablamo. Like, it's quite unexpected, but it was super strong and convincing the way he did it. Even on one of the stages, um, he attacked in a hill stage, which is why I was like thinking of Pogacar, is that he just went away on a punchy finish to try to get more time. He lost two minutes in the, in the team time trial because he, his Mexican team wasn't quite up to scratch, and he, he had to find those two minutes elsewhere and he certainly did that in the mountains in quite emphatic fashion. The route as well. I mean, we're, we're talking about Del Toro, but I think it was a really impressive week for Matthew Ricatello. I know the final stage kind of fell through for him, but he was he had a really strong week, good performance in Cordula Loz, as well as a strong mountain time trial performance, a bit like at the Giro early this year at Monte where he performed. I mean, where he performed inside the top fifteen on the day on a Grand Tour mountain top time trial. So. A lot of notable performances this week at the Total Avenir. Also, Yang Kristen, as well as his brother, Fabio Kristen, both rode really good races. Yang Kristen, who's a Poggy's little apprentice, uh, who's now signed on for UAE, I believe from halfway
0: through this year. So he's now in UAE colours. Wasn't it? I felt like it was cheating that Riccitello was there. Because if you've ridden a Grand Tour, then you shouldn't yeah. be able to go to the Total Avenir. Because then in that, we yeah. could say Juana Yusuf could turn up again <laughs> next but, year. Yeah.
1: I, I do get what you mean, and I've kind of, I don't know, maybe there needs to be some stricter ruling on it where, you know, if you have competed in a certain level yeah. of UCI race, then you're not allowed. Like, if, you, if you've if you competed, say, in a World Tour race, then you're not allowed. Like, if you competed in a Dauphiné, or even, like, a UAE Tour or whatever, then, like, you're, like, barred from it. But I'm not sure if that's just too... I don't know. Is that too gatekeepy Or, or, yeah. or whatever, I almost but...
0: feel like if you're attached to a world tour team or ridden for a world tour team, yeah. then you shouldn't be allowed. But yeah, because there's supposed and to be a world race also.
1: where we like discover the future talent. But exactly, yeah. The way that cycling is going is that future talent is already basically discovered in the embryo at this rate. Like it's it's so ridiculous how early t- talent gets spotted up now. It's it's actually quite hard to you know talent spot now because well as as viewers by the time that you've watched the tour de avenir it's too late like i remember us saying this in the preview scott is that you said which is a really good point is that by the time you, ta- you get to the total avenue it's too late like you need to have scouted these guys before they've even arrived at that race which funnily enough isn't the case for del toro which despite the fact that he won he's almost like he hasn't been scouted so that's a bit of a a blip in the in the algorithm, you could say, but gosh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. I just really hope he doesn't go to Yumbo. Like we don't need another guy. Can we just or Yui? Can we just send him to like a cool bit of team? You know,
0: where is he going? That's the next thing. Yeah, where should where do we advise him to go? I mean, Ineos Grinde's have lots of space. Don't have any Mexicans. They like the Americans. Logistically, a Spanish-speaking setup would make sense. He does speak oh, English. No, we should say not that.
2: Movie but... star. I mean, Movistar makes sense. They've had Mexican writers in the past. Movistar, I think, as well, with, with the actual sponsor goals in Latin America are huge because it's like a massive communications and telecom industry there. And Movistar and Telefonica, big, big, big goals in, um, in Mexico and Latin America. Then you have. Other teams with strong Latin American cores, including Al Ula, which have quite a good Latin American and Spanish-speaking setup over there. Also, EF Education First. Jonathan vartas is a Spanish speaker, and um, the team have a lot of Latin American writers at the moment, including Richard Carapaz. They've also had Mexican writers in the past as well. Uno I X. Think... You should go to Uno X. Also, if he's based in <laughs> San Marino, he probably would be able to speak Italian, and that opens up on the based there, though. <laughs> if it's just the team based there. Yeah, but I mean,
0: I'd like to Our think own. he would he will be able to parlo italiano. But so, your advice, Ewan, is there are ten teams you could go to? Yeah, I, I <laughs> so th- many. Th-
1: I think that I mean, there was that whole rumor of Roglic going to Lead or Trek. I feel like they are looking maybe at a team, you know, big new budget. Maybe they're looking at some new young gc prospect to really gather around because i do feel like legal trekkers lacked that big gc focus like they've kind of tried to do it with Chicone, but it hasn't really fallen through i feel like maybe this guy could be somebody who they're quite interested in considering that roglet i'm not sure how realistic that that is but maybe something for much a long longer term thing might might work for them as an american team i know it's not mexican but north american i, I don't know Bit of a link.
0: Yeah, quite long term.
1: Yeah. At 19. Especially, like, leader on for a bit of a fat chunk of time, though, aren't they? So maybe they'd be willing to, I don't know, start start stocking some Mexican goods in their supermarkets.
2: It is the current trend to give like mammoth contracts to like 2027. Del Toro, yes, he had that great Valadosta performance as well. It's this Total Avenir performance, which was out of most people's radars. Is that enough to guarantee? or to warrant a mega five-year-long contract deal somewhere? Because we've seen uh, so many riders yeah, like Ruben yeah. Fernandez and
0: so forth kind of fall <laughs> through. The list. Well, Wait, what was the French guy called? Oh, Roman Sikar. Yeah, Sikar. Yeah, that was Sicar that. had a mad season. He was like June. He was like under twenty-three world champion as well. Yeah, and then it kind of disappeared. Warren Barguil. No, that's harsh. I like Warren Barguil. If he goes to DSM. Oh, He's I like, Del Toro, if, like you're, if
2: you're watching this video, don't go to TSM
0: Firmini.
1: Please don't. Go to oh, Uno God.
0: X. They need diversity. They can't oh. just be Danish and Norwegian. We need oh. a Mexican. <laughs>
1: I feel like their first step would be somebody from, like, I don't know, Germany or something. Like, like kind of dip yeah. their toe in the water. <laughs> of, like, like, filter down through the continent.
0: I mean, Cycling Academy would love him because they... They, they, like, base their team around non-traditional cycling nations. And, I mean, Mexico, you both said it. Like, it's not really a nation steeped in cycling glory. Which team do you think is, he's going to sign with? He might not actually sign with any of them, but...
1: um, I'll go with... I'll back my guns. I'll say Leadle or track.
2: Fair enough. Although I've been hyping up this, like, EF pipe dream, I'm going to go for UAE. <laughs> it's... I just feel like it's
1: inevitable. It is. It's so inevitable. <laughs> like this is based <laughs> on
2: the helmet as well. Yeah, 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 true. He was wearing the Met UAE style helmet. Oh, no. I wasn't sure if that, well, that would smoothen um, sponsorship and partnership deals because that usually takes time to, to process. But yeah, UAE.
1: I hate how accurate and right that sounds. I yeah, accurate, I am going
0: to say Bora works. just to change it a bit. Maybe. Yeah, Danny Martinez speaks Spanish. He's coming to the team. No
1: conspiracy. It's... We are going to sign Danny Martinez just to entice it. Don't worry. Like Bora are thinking so like giga brain right now. <laughs> it's like it's beyond it's beyond anybody's comprehension.
0: But imagine that Outerbrooks and him. So you've got the two Lavenir champions. They're the same age. Is Outerbrooks a year older? Yeah, year older. The... They're both yeah. 2003, I think. Um, yeah, so it's like, that would be a boring, what, five years would be absolutely incredible. Ineos, where are you? He, you need to buy this kid. <laughs> just throw money at him.
2: What if he goes through Pro Continental first? Or well, the pro team level? But, I think Aeol exactly. Cometa.
0: But like, wouldn't you just go straight away so you ri- don't risk... Yeah. He's
1: going go to go to Kometa. Oh, no. <laughs> He's... <laughs>
2: Didn't no, I was gonna say Egan Bernal. No, he didn't, he was no <laughs> retract my statement.
1: Yeah, Korotech yeah. to match up with Vacek. <laughs> the tree
0: Who was the one Korotech. There was something about Korotech transfer rumor. Um, oh, no, thingy cool. Andrew Ponemon moved there. Oh, yeah, okay, that, season, that might be it. Uh, Naira Kintan never moved there. Sad face. Speaking will follow the winners on Instagram, but yeah, we might as well move on to the renewy tour. We talked about it a bit. Uh, Josh Tarling winning the time trial. I think that was a huge result for the young Brit. Third place in the World Championships, as we spoke about. But yeah, his first senior time trial ch- title. Yeah, oh, win and, and how- yeah, what happened in the tour as well?
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean that was because first before talk about that. That was like, wasn't that the did not equal Avnepol's youngest victory at World Tour, which was San Sebastian in 2019.
2: What was spooky is that they were exactly the same age. Yeah, they were oh, 19 wow. years and 190 days years old. That's spooky. creepy.
1: We need like the, the hour, like we need like a a time, like, a, like we got down to the day, but we need to get down to hours and minutes and seconds to de- to like determine who is like the youngest. Let me call
2: up podcast favorite Patrick Avenapol to find this one out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what time was, was Revco born? And we'll call up Tal. He'll be like, What time were you born? And then we'll figure it out. Perfect.
0: So he's I, winning the Welter in what, two years' time, Talon? Well, but,
1: but by this rate of progression, apparently, yeah, he should be. <laughs> if, it, he'd be like, be like, injuring. He's got that kind of physique about him. It was an interesting race though. Vellens winning, firstly. Even though he had a puncture on one day, which was kind of funny. But that didn't really seem to hinder him because it was a cobbled finish. So actually maybe it was better. Maybe he had a bit more like a bit more sponge kind of rolling over those cobbles. But there was I can't remember. Wellsford won a sprint, Phillipson won a sprint, which is like pretty Phillipson twenty twenty three. Like, it's, it's pretty normal. There's a lot of big names, like sprinting names, which is weird that they're all at the, <laughs> for a or whatever. When the Vuelta has nobody, so wait, how does that make sense? We forgot the Mike Turnison Renaissance. Oh
2: gosh, I think this is like his. This might be his first win since the COVID break, or something along those lines. It's been a long time coming. But actually, let me let me just fact check myself though. I thought I he
0: wanna... won. Didn't he win earlier this year? Is that like his first? Will that be his he... first? Oh, World sorry.
2: Tour? This is this is his second win since COVID. He did yeah, win. Yeah, he won in, in the tour stage of away. Yeah, but still, exactly. the Renaissance continues in that case. <laughs>
0: uh, his first World Tour win in that in that case since the COVID break. I mean, yeah, Ru Costa. They saved his well, not saved his career, mm. but like revived him a bit as well. But. Gosh. Very uh very costly yeah, February. Yeah. <laughs> we we were thinking this because the name of the, the Eneco Tour, uh Benelux Renui has changed quite a lot. And Tim Wellens has won this three times now, but it was Eneco Tour the first two times. It would have been funny if he won it in three different names, but yeah, Tim yeah. Wellens just pulls out a result of like this. Mate Morahic winning the final stage as well.
1: Mm, yeah. I think Valens was like a really cool one for me because it's been like he's been a he had a bad crash in Rwanda, I think it was early this year. So good to see him back, and also he did like a really good time trial as well, which is also wasn't just like a one-off. Like he did good in the Polonia TT as well. So like we've been bashing on about how UE have really stepped up their TT performance this year, and this is clearly just another kind of uh, I don't know, I don't know what I was gonna say. It's it's another kind of tick in the box, I guess, for them if you want to call it that. So. He he's known for like bookending his years. He's really good in like February and then like at the end. So he's he's sticking to form.
2: Yeah, Wellens has usually struggled with like um, allergies in like peak summertime, which has usually kept him out of like high level racing in July and June, for instance. Uh, but it was good to see him back here. Not only was it a crash in Ronda, it was the crash, the Philip Marzia crash. He was the guy who came down in the middle of that. A long to, to to victory we've we been on w- with Tim Wellens, but for UAE as well, UAE are in this like mad hunt to win the UCI rankings this year, uh, so they can have that title next year and put it on the back of the team bus with uh, Jumbo Visma. And this is a big win for them because Jumbo weren't really up there in the GC, so they took the overall, and Trentin was close to winning a stage as well. So, UAE getting a big sort of bonus um, on Onion Bavisma here. And also, I mean, even without Pogachi, Yates, Ayuso, on Almeida, they can still win a UCI World Tour level stage race.
0: Impressive. Oh, I was going to talk about this in our Welter section, but uh, this second stage kind of spoiled two of your predictions.
1: Oh, gosh, does it?
0: Roman Gregoire didn't win the stage, oh. and Andreas Corton did win a stage. So, both of you, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, to be fair, it wasn't just me that thought about Gregoire winning. Like It seemed that every man and his dog was saying it as well. And Lloyd so, was
0: saying it a lot.
1: That's because he's stealing my my ideas, Scott. He's mad. He's mad <laughs> that I pointed out Australia isn't the sixth monument, and he's still bitter about it. Didn't and he retweet that? He did retweet that, and I am going to be bringing it up next March when it comes around again. I will be. Anyway, but yeah, Reguard we... didn't win. Kron did victory for Denmark. Yay. It was good though for, 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 for Lotto. You know, big victory.
0: I must admit, I c- kind of forgot that Tim Wells was running for UAE. <laughs> I was like, Lotto won a stage race. No, they didn't. UAE. But, I mean, Deutschland Tour. Yeah, I know there's too many <laughs> tours as we were saying at the beginning. Did you watch any of this? Uh, Van Wilder winning overall? But, yeah... It's a race that was revived a few years ago, and Germany obviously haven't got the best uh, relationship with cycling in recent years. They're still kind of annoyed over Jan Ulrich, but it's good that it's back, and it has had some decent winners as well in the past, Matej Mohoric, etc. But
1: it was good. I enjoyed some of its start. I like a good little prologue to start with, where it's like not TT bikes; it's like road bikes. It feels quite. It feels like cycling back to its roots. Where like you'd rock up to your 10 mile TT on a Thursday just on your road bike. But yeah, like Vernon won that prologue. Danny Van Poppel was climbing like an absolute beast. Like he was possessed. It was it was so odd. Pedersen was doing good. Gross Sharkner was doing good. Van Vilder was backing up his. Kind of statement that he didn't want to just be Remco's assistant all the time. He wanted to have his own freedom and he backed that up immediately by winning this race. So there was kind of a lot going on. But yeah, it kind of makes me question as to what Van Wilder's future is going to be. Like, is he, is he going to try and just be like a stage hunting guy or is he going to try to go for GC? Like, no, it's, it's, all, it's more confusing now.
2: Yeah, Van Wilder could probably top 10 at Grand Tour, but uh, it, it was cool to see him win a stage race. Um, and to see Danny Van Poppel on the podium of a, of a of a stage race, that was pretty that was pretty neat. Also uh, Gregor Mulberger, heard
0: a, he was climbing pretty well on the Tour de France, he got another stage win. you uh, and you're you gonna like that stage, one two that you're gonna like Mulberger mm-hmm. and Alex
2: Aranburo. <laughs> My boys. Um, but <laughs> for for, for though, because like he moved to Movistar last year and I was seething because it, it didn't look like anything was happening with him in the 2022 season and now this year it's just suddenly clicked and he's he's winning quite a lot some quite high profile stages so it's good to see also mad is mickels the estonian great to see him get get that win uh, and put estonia back on the map also carl patrick lauk was in the breakaway in the renewy tour so it's all it's all good for
0: the baltic riders well we have the tour of scandinavia as well won by Anavik van vleuten banging finish wasn't it Uterob that won the final stage? Yeah, so she like needed to attack and have a certain gap at the end to win
2: the, the race overall, and she like, attacked in the final kilometre, and it was like, you couldn't really tell if she'd done it or not. Uh, she won the stage, but she was two seconds short of winning it overall.
1: That was pure cyclismo. That is the kind of thing which Jonas Vingegaard would not have had the balls to do. I'm saying it. Ouch, Frank
0: Shade. Sorry, I'm, Max I'm just cool saying, didn't get the red jersey. You're still bitter over that. I,
1: I, I, I will do. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. That was real cyclismo riding from Uttrup Lugvig. Just put it all on the line in the last K. Rate that. I, I rate the uh, just, just going for it. And yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't be a an Echelon cycling podcast if there wasn't a little bit of Yumbo bashing in there, Scott. We've got to kind of keep our quota going. <laughs> So, I felt we were a little bit light, so I thought we'd, you know, Wout Van Aert hasn't really, you know, been doing much, so we, we didn't have that to go out, so I thought I'd just kind of put that dig in just to keep us going. What is Wout doing? He did gravel. a gravel race.
0: And he, he won. Oh, against won some poor race.
1: amateurs, basically. Poor people.
2: But, Wout Van Aert has never won the Women's Tour of Scandinavia, so I can sleep happy tonight <laughs> knowing that knowing that he hasn't won that race. What? <laughs> Wow and
1: think... choke.
0: <laughs> Just what he's like, guys, I'm not even racing this week, really. Stop. And you're um yeah, I mean Torf Scandinavia, I would love to see that in the men's as well.
1: Oh um, yeah. Well
0: but I mean, yeah. Is it's sweet was there a stage in Sweden? I mean, Swedish women are quite good, uh the pros or used to yeah.
1: be. It's like the women's version of the Renui Tour, or like Iniko. when Aniko back in the day had like Luxembourg in there as well, so they'd have like Luxembourg, Netherlands, and Belgium. It's like the women's edition of AX. It constitutes like the yeah. Scandinavian country. So it's I, I like the multi-country like stage race going on. I think it's a novel, and I re- I really like that. I like that the women almost have that over the men's. It gives yeah. them kind of like something to. Draw the viewers to
0: what did you guys? Yeah, we talked about the welter earlier, but what did you guys think of this uh patron uh status that Jonas Mingor uh-huh. did by kind of well, Dylan Ball started it and then Jonas Mingor kind of uh went in as well on it. And then before uh, before the stage started, he was in the movie star bust as well with Enric Mass. I uh-huh. see Enric Mass as being like the big. Guy that you would have to go and talk to about a welter stage?
1: I mean, I have thought about this probably too much today, but here, here's my overall opinion on this. Firstly, Jonas is not a patron of a peloton for some reason. He, he, he isn't. He doesn't have the respect for whatever reason, I don't think. I think it's just because he's a climber who's just kind of, at the end of the day, when you go to the front of the peloton, and you tell some classic style rider who is groveling it out in cold conditions at, at Doronda in the spring, and you're Jonas Vingegaard. And they they will tell you to f off because they don't respect you because you're not you don't compete with like the same races that they do. A rider would have to go to the front of the level of like a Vanderpol or a Sagan back in the day, or a Wout or a Pedersen or somebody with this. I don't know gravitas about them. I don't know what it is that Jonas doesn't have, but for some reason, he—I don't know—he—he he, he didn't quite have the influence that he wanted. I don't think over the peloton when he went to the front and told people to slow down. But I don't really know what I'll think about this whole Patron thing. Like I'd, people trying to like basically control the race because it's not quite going their way. Like they like Roglic had crashed, and they kind of wanted him back in the peloton, so they kind of tried to slow it down. It's kind of like, it seems a little bit underhand, just trying to like, oh yeah, it's about safety guys. We want to try to keep it safe, but secretly we want to try get Roglic back in the peloton because he's crashed. So I'm I'm conflicted because it is a very traditional thing in the peloton that there are these patrons who are sort of deemed to be the, the statesmen of the peloton. But I don't like teams abusing this power for their own sort of race strategy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of missing someone. But Dylan Van Bala, I think, is a very fitting patron. He's been around the block. He was at, well, Cannondale stroke EF, then Ineos now at Jumbo. He's been around town. A bit like um, a bit like Tony Martin when he was kind of the patron in
0: two thousand nineteen through twenty one. The last patron I can think of was Fabian Cancellara, who got the race neutralized yeah. when Andy Schlecht was crashed in twenty ten. Mm. And then nah. I think the all time patron is a Bernardino. I would not do anything yeah. if he said you're not moving. You're not moving.
2: No, nah, you're forgetting the, the- Tony Martin. Yeah, t- 20 Martin 2020 Nice rainy stage. You went to the front and told everyone to like, n- like, stop and you like neutralized it.
1: Yeah. And then Miguel Angel Lopez did Tokyo Drift down the descent. Hmm.
0: Wait, exactly. Think, didn't Sky or try to stop a stage as well? Was that through him yeah. in one of the Tour de France's? Maybe, yeah, that's exactly. the thing.
1: He tried. For some reason, GC riders are not the people who become the like patrons yeah. for some reason. Apart uh, from Poggy. I, yes. Yeah, I think
0: I think Poggy Patrick's point. I think Patrick's point is really good that it's like because you do this you do all the races and obviously total, Total uh Tor, yeah yeah, near winner, yes, but uh Ronda van Vanderen winner. So he he's he knows everything.
1: Yeah, it's like when you go because the people working on the front are the rulers who take part in those cobble classics and the fact that they just get this skinny climber coming up to them you know, they're not going to listen to what you to what you have to say, it's like I don't care how many Grand Tours you've won it's like, I am working on the front, I'm, I'm slogging here and I'm not just going to stop riding because you've tried to, well, because you've asked me not to, it's like I'm going to stop riding when I get told to by my team leader or the person in the team car, it's not up to Jumbo Visma to go and tell riders what to do because the race isn't quite going their way
2: niche cycling documentary reference incoming um in the i think it's the 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 Umber visma documentary from the Buelter in 2020 you see chris room at the front of the pelton on the day that they thought that they messed up the timings between Roglic and carapaz and there was that whole debate um Froome tries to like at the beginning of the next stage, he, like, tells everyone to, like, stop. And he's, like, halfway through giving his speech, and all the mother star writers just start riding around him and carrying on with the stage, and it's, like, oh, it's futile. Mm-hmm. But Van Bala, for me, that's that's yeah. my vote. I wish it was Democratic. There was, like, um, yeah. you could vote, and um, and we'd have, like, a live ticker, like, election night coverage. Yeah. Maybe, like, an electoral college system, so Yumba Visma get more power than, like, RKS yeah. Samzik. Um, on on the Walter level
1: yeah, Alexi I
2: mean, Lotenko.
1: oh yeah, obviously I mean, mm, thing is my I mean, it, it sounds like I'm going in at Jonas but it's not just Jonas, it's like like you say, Fruton, despite the fact that he is Chris Fruton, because he's like a GZ rider, doesn't have the respect of the kind of classics riders neither would a Nairo Quintana back in the day neither would have like, if, if Mass tried to do it, it wouldn't have worked for him either if a user tried to do it he wouldn't have been able to do it either heck i, I reckon even like probably remco would have struggled as well it's like you, for some reason gc riders don't have the full respect of the peloton cuz i think they're deemed to just being kind of these people carried around on a feather pillow and just kind of delivered to the top of a mountain and they don't really do the hard yards of of it and i think that you need to be one of these gritty sort of people who have been through for some reason the Cobble classics give you this status i don't know why it is but it's just the way that it is you need to be one of these kind of monument riders and then you get that status like a cancellara like a Sagan, like a gilbert you know all these guys would have been able to have that kind of influence over the peloton but it's something which a 60 kg climber just simply doesn't have
2: but there are also other reasons, like there are some writers on certain teams that are more vocal, like they have group chats and so forth. And some some writers on certain teams are uh, do talk about certain issues more than others. I think like Matteo Trentin, for instance, is, is pretty well connected and quite vocal about certain things in the Peloton, and that probably influences um, their sway. And uh, their spheres of influence in the Palatine. I don't think uh, Vingegaas said during the Tour de France that he's quite quiet in the Palatine. Doesn't talk to many people, so maybe that also plays into it. Probably doesn't. Might not even read the messages on the group chats.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have to. He's so good that there's no one around him. Exactly. He's, he's, he's got his AI generated
1: diet plan to follow. Whilst to think it's all well and good being the Grand Tour dominant killer until you're not the kind of, I don't know, extrovert who's friends with everyone. Because then when you try and ask people to slow down, people don't really listen to you.
0: But and nevertheless, moving on, Tora, Bulgaria. No, I'm kidding. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> No. It was actually Filippo14, who won a stage, I think, it used to be on uh, ProCodeCentral. But nevertheless, uh, rider of the Week, who are you going to pick?
1: I would have picked Max Poole if he went into the red <laughs> jersey but he didn't, so that's sort of scuppered me. you so I going will... the
0: same with Oscar only, but he's not in the race anymore, <laughs> which is a
1: shame. So, I will go with Danny Van Poppel instead for a very outstanding set of climbing and sprinting results at the Deutschland Tour, which saw him finish on the podium of the GC. Very surprising.
2: I'm going for Isaac Del
0: Toro of Mexico. Ah, uh, Winner. Second the goal. Now I have to think of someone else. Thanks, Ian. Tim Wollins. You're gonna go for Mulberger or something. <laughs> no, a that's, that's right that
1: there.
0: <laughs> there's a name right there. Yeah, Andres Korn. Obviously, I'm going for him. Ah oh. What a surprise. Well done, Korn. He's yeah, it's <laughs> really nice guy as well. Yeah, lots of destiny. There I say. His crowning moment. No. Oh god. <laughs> It's not even spelt like that in Danish? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, well, to any predictions who's going to be in red by the time we do our next episode
1: 32? Um, oh gosh, that's next week. Um, I would mean, be will... quite funny. Is there a along in the comments?
0: Yeah. I know, that's uh the day after the rest day.
1: Is it? It'll be some, it'll be it depends. If some team takes it in red tomorrow and then they let it go, who's going to take it? I'll go Christian Rodriguez of Arkea to be in red from some random breakaway because somebody doesn't want to control the peloton.
2: That's fair. In that case, um, oh, I kind of want to follow the same theme because it's really, it, it feels like low hanging fruit to say a GC favorite. So I'm going to go for Rudy Moller. Because he always, he always seems to be well at the Vuelta. And him going in a breakaway and getting the red jersey just feels right.
1: That's just what he does. So, so right.
0: Exactly. Alright, I'll be the boring one for once. I'm pretty Roglic. <laughs> he
1: hasn't crashed again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for our... Uh episode of this week i think it's number 31 of course make sure to hit the like button subscribe to the channel here on youtube or make sure to follow us on the various different platforms amazon whatever uh, spotify and of course as always get involved in the chat down below we love seeing your comments and we'll do more comments response next week as well for the rest day in the world to españa so with that thank you very much for watching and we will see you around